World's Finest Podcast, Episode 8. James Doe, and with me as always is Michael David Sims. Hello, how are you? I'm doing all right, but uh, got all kinds of stuff going on right now. I'm uh, preparing some music videos for uh, Anime Week in Atlanta, which is next month. And uh, like you said, on like you posted on the, the main page, I'm preparing a new review, bi-weekly review uh, series. So hopefully, I can get the first one done. Oh my god. <laughs> Uh, well, take your time. There's no rush. Whenever you get it done, you get it done. That's and that's when we launch. There's there's no date that's set in stone. Yeah, but uh, I'm trying to be more punctual. You know. I know. I'm I know. just. I'm. That's not something I've been very good at ever. <laughs> so, but yeah, and. Uh, well, hey, if it helps, I can give you a deadline. That's. I can say this is when we're going to launch, and you just have to deal with it. You know, you know I actually work very well under pressure, so that okay. might not be a bad idea. Okay, I'll think of a deadline and then I'll get it to you. <laughs> Just don't make it like tomorrow. No, that, no, that would me, that no. would suck. No, but yeah, and I won't tell our listeners what uh, what I will be reviewing, but uh, I will say it's going to be movies. Mm-hmm. I, I just won't say which specific movie I'll be reviewing first off. But uh, yeah, so that's what's going on with me right now. And uh, actually, I have a pretty funny story from work. Uh, oh, really? What's yeah, up? I. The other day, I, I told you, I work at the customer service desk at a supermarket, and uh, these two guys uh, wearing, you know, really trashy clothes and whatever. Look, they're, they're buying some, like, uh, like a soda. They reach by, like, a soda or something. They come up to the service desk to pay for it, and uh, and my manager uh, come, walks up from behind them, throws an empty box of condoms on the counter and says, that, uh, they're going to pay for these, too. And uh, the guys turn around, and I look up, and I'm like, uh, what? And, yeah. and my manager says, looks right at the two guys and says, yeah, you can either pay for them or I can call the cops. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I was like, whoa, I just realized what's going on. <laughs> uh, these guys had like $10 worth of condoms stuffed in their pockets, and they were trying to steal <laughs> My manager caught them. Oh, it was so funny. Did they pay? Did they oh, run? yeah. Oh, they paid for them. <laughs> and they left. So uh, that was pretty amusing. We yeah. we laughed about it after they left. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, that was my little amusing anecdote for the day. Your manager there had some big balls to do that because when you catch someone stealing, they can get real defensive and shit can happen. Yeah, that's a good. <laughs> yeah, you know, he he saw the uh, he saw them, and then he saw them ditch the box. So he basically just followed them all the way up to the <laughs> the the desk without them even knowing. <laughs> Oh, but we had a good laugh about it afterwards. <laughs> so, yeah. So what's going on with you? I've been talking a lot here. <laughs> you know, I'm really looking forward to Wizard World Chicago this weekend. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it's, I, just, I just love that con. And what makes it great is it's literally in my backyard. You know, it's, it's like a 20, 25-minute drive from here. It's in Rosemont, Illinois, just outside of Chicago. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just a cool, fun weekend. I mean, 
I don't get a lot of time to mess around on the show floor, you know, shopping, uh, just looking uh, at, like, the indie books and stuff like that, because I go to the panels, and as you know, James, I record them and present them as episodes of Earth to that, not the show, Yeah. but I don't mind doing that. In fact, I love doing that, because I'm going to go to the panels anyways, so I might as well record them and bring them to the people who can't go to the cons. There's so many people who want to go to these various conventions, but they can't, and their only way to find out what happened is to read, like a written report on a news site such as like Newsarama or anything like that, well, I would, you know, as a comic book fan, I would much rather actually hear what the people said, not read what they said. Oh, absolutely. So I figure since I'm like this, there's other people that are going to be like this, and not everybody can go to these panels. So, yeah, I might as well bring them to uh, our listeners. Anything else before we can move into emails? Uh, Not really. Okay, before we read these emails, I'm actually going to rattle off our email address in case there's anybody that wants to jot it down now. Oftentimes I just say it at the end of the show, uh, but I figure I might as well say it now. And that would be feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. So make sure you write that down right now. And as you listen to us review the episodes that we're going to be speaking about today, you can shoot us off an email just right away. You don't have to wait to the end to get the email address. Okay, I have the first one here is by a fellow of the name of uh, Damian Smith. He's actually the co-host of a podcast called Cryptographic. Um, if shoot, I don't remember the episode number, but there was an episode of uh, Earth Two Net at the show. I want to say in the high nineties or low one hundreds, where we played a uh, a bumper for his show. Um, and he goes on to say, "Hey guys, I have to say I love the show. Thank you very much. And I can't. That's that's me saying thank you. Not and <laughs> thank you. I can't. And I can't wait for you guys to get to Batman Beyond, which uh, he says he thought was so original and out there that it just blew him away." And then he says, as you may know, I'm down in Australia, and I've been waiting uh, many years for the DVDs of all the Dniverse shows to come out. And let me let me interject there. I think it's funny that some people call it the DC Animated Universe, some people call it the Timverse, and some people call it the Dniverse. <laughs> I, I like how everybody's got their own little name for it. Uh, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean to interrupt this email there. Uh, uh, Dniverse shows to come out, but so far we've only had the first season of Batman the Animated Series, so I, so I think I'll be saving up and getting some imports rather than trying to find other ways to get these episodes. Good man. And pay for them if you can. And then he says, oh, here's the hot topic we've been covering the last couple of shows. <laughs> I was just listening to your seventh episode, and you were having a conversation about Tower of Babel and how Batman shouldn't be able to take down all of the Justice League. Please allow me to play devil's advocate here and put across what I think is the... Uh, and put across what I think is what he had planned. I think that Batman didn't have all of the plans and all of the other superheroes so he could take them out all at once. It's more of a if-they-go-rogue deal where he would uh, be able to take them out one by one and quite possibly without them even knowing uh, what was going on. And that's true. It wasn't meant to be uh, like an all-or-nothing plan. It, is it wasn't supposed to be a time. purge. Right. It's just Rachel Ghoul used it for that exact reason. Um, let's see, he continues, If Bats didn't want someone to know he was tracking, hunting, or even planning a move on them, I feel that no one would know it until it was too late, and by that stage, he would either have them close enough to use the ring on Superman, or be able to break Green Lantern's concentration so he isn't able to focus the willpower to use the ring. What do you, what do you say to that, James? Oh, I, I can definitely understand that. Uh, even though I, I tend to agree more with you, Mike, about mm. how Batman shouldn't be able to destroy everybody in the universe... But uh, I, I like where he's coming from there, because uh, Rachel Ghoul is the kind of person who would just off go off and just slaughter millions and millions of people at once, uh, especially those, you know, the heroes, as he calls them, 
I think maybe yeah maybe that was the the idea that it was just a one one by one by one uh, slow and calculated. See now, I I can buy it working once, and I think I might have said this in the last episode, but once those plans are out in the open. And once those plans were used against the heroes, as they were in Tower of Babel, I do not believe in the slightest that any superhero ever again would trust Batman, would let him get that close. In my opinion, Batman should never, ever be a member of a team again. Not the Justice League, not the Outsiders. They could de-age him, and he wouldn't even be a member of the Teen Titans. He should never, ever be a member of a team again because no one would trust him. Well, that's what happened. Wasn't uh, Divided We Fall the storyline that happened right after that? I think so. So, yeah, and it, it was four, you know, it was a, there was the seven, I guess it was the seven-man vote, and four voted him out of the league. And, yeah, I mean, it lasted for a little while, but, I mean, DC should have came down with, okay, Marvel has a policy where you cannot see any superheroes smoking. That's their policy right now. They're, they're like, you know what? Kids read these things, and we don't need to show these superheroes, these icons, these idols to some smoking because it makes it look cool, and we don't want that. And I think DC should have had a similar uh, credo for... Credo? Is that the right word? Yeah. Okay. For at least, like, five, six, seven years that said Batman cannot be on a team at all. If any hero crosses him, they're to treat him like a villain because they do not trust him. I just don't like how quickly he was accepted back into the fold by these heroes that he nearly killed, or at least his plans nearly killed. I just, I just, I just don't buy it at all. Well, how quickly was he accepted, and and wasn't it? I'm sure it was pretty tense when they brought him back. It, okay, in our time, it might have been like a, hell. It might have been a year, year and a half. But think about in their time. Think about comic book time. Mm-hmm. In comic book time, six issues could be one day. Hell, six issues could be two hours. So, you know, let's say it was 18 issues that he wasn't accepted back, you know, into the Justice League family. For all we know, that just could have been a month in, in their time. I'd have to go back and read those issues to see. But I, it should have been years, years in our time and years in their time before he was finally brought back on that team. Hard to argue with that. Um, I'm going to continue here. And he says, uh, I do agree with his idea there. He's basically going on the theory that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I agree with that 100%. I love, uh, there's a, a miniseries called Lex Luthor, Man of Steel. Oh, yes. And that brilliant, is brilliant story. Awesome. I mean, you see, by the end of that story, you come to understand why Lex Luthor doesn't like Superman, why he doesn't trust him. At any minute, this this godlike being could snap and just destroy everything or take over the world. And Luthor, being a very powerful, very smart, very influential man, cannot let that happen. I mean, seriously, if you read that and don't side with Luthor just a little by the end of it, then I, I don't think then I think you read the story too fast. You know, you, you didn't take your time with it. You didn't or you're an really uber Superman it. fanboy. Something, yeah, possibly. <laughs> um... Uh, oh, speaking of that, uh, this is kind of a tangent here. Have you seen the teaser trailer? I wouldn't call it a teaser trailer, but just the trailer for uh, The Batman Season 5, I think it is? No. Go to uh, YouTube and uh, look it up. If I, I don't Just type in, like, The Batman Season 5 or something like that. I'm sure I wasn't even up. aware they were doing a Season 5. That's yeah, yeah, there's, there's a new season coming up. And in the video, I hope you don't mind if I spoil this. 
It's okay with me. Okay, if there's anybody that doesn't want this spoiled, just turn this off for about 60 seconds. Uh, basically, Superman's going to be coming to Gotham City. I don't know, it's like part of a press conference. And Batman, or not Batman, but Bruce and Dick are standing there at the press conference, and behind Bruce and Dick are Jimmy and Lois. And Jimmy's going on and on and on, of course, because, you know, he's totally, like, wet for Superman. And he's like, oh, when he appears, the roof's going to blow off this place. And Dick turns around, and he looks right at Jimmy, and he's like, fanboy. <laughs> <laughs> And Jimmy's like, what, are, are you not American? And Robin's like, we have our own superhero in this town. He's just like, told, you got you got like eight-year-old Dick Grayson mouthing off to Jimmy Olsen. It's so <laughs> funny. Oh, but anyways, I'm sorry, that, that uh, tangent uh, uh, aside, the letter continues. I'm also wondering how Project Zeta, uh, which I actually think is the Zeta Project, if I remember correctly, right? Not Project Zeta? Yeah, it's the Zeta Project, yeah. Okay. Fits into the Deaniverse. He says, I vaguely remember the show, and I also remember liking it, but I don't remember any other Deanie characters coming into it. It was a spinoff of Batman Beyond, is what that was. That's how it fits into the universe. Um, let's see. He says, and lastly, I was wondering if you knew that Phil Lamar, who you would know as Jon Stewart, also played Black Vulcan. I didn't know that. I've never watched Har Harvey Bergman, uh, Attorney at Law. Did you know that, James? I uh, didn't, but I'm not surprised because Phil Lamar gets around, and he's, he's a great voice actor. <laughs> Yeah, he after, did the voice of uh, Static, too, I think. That's that's literally what I was just about to say. After I, I received this email, I looked him up to see what other acting credits he might have, and I was surprised to see that he played Static Shock. Because when you think of Jon Stewart, he's got a very deep, very manly, manly voice. voice. And then when you think of Static, he's like, a, it sounds like a kid. I legit thought that they either had a teenager playing Static or a woman that could hit that kind of pitch. Because Jon Stewart and Static, their voices are nothing alike. <laughs> If you've got range, you can be a voice actor. Yeah. And so. uh, he finishes up just by saying, uh, okay, that's enough for me uh, for now, but keep up the good work, and you'll have me listening. We will keep up the good work, and we hope you will continue listening. Oh, yes. Thank you for that email. And then he actually wrote me back, because I responded to that email, uh, you know, through email. But I thought I'd address it on the air, because I figure our listeners might have similar thoughts. Um, but in the response that he sent me, to the response I sent him, to the first email he sent me, if that makes sense, he says, <laughs> he ends it, I'm just going to read this last line he says here. He says, uh, oh, first he asks if the Zeta Project has been released on DVD in the States. And no, it has not. Hopefully it'll be released here soon. Um, otherwise, James and I are going to have to find other means to review that. Mm -hmm. And then he ends this by saying, I've gotten my three-year-old to be a Teen Titans nut from the cartoon, so I can't wait to see what you have to say about that one either. And due to you, applause. Absolute applause. What we need in this industry are uh, adults like you who are having children to bring their children into the comic book industry, be it through the movies, through the cartoons, by bringing them to the comic shops. Just through any means that, that you can, you, we have to introduce them to these characters because we have to create, we have to foster a new generation of comic book readers because comics might be selling well, but the, the number of people that are reading them, is, is it shrinks all the time because we're not having kids. <laughs> or our kids aren't being encouraged to read them. And whenever I hear that an adult is encouraging their kid to read comic books, they get a round of applause from me. So that was your Amen. round of applause there. Oh, yeah. Uh, just, you know indoctrinate them at an early age. Okay, now the next email is from Mixie. Anybody who goes to the Earth2.net forums knows who Mixie is. He's one of our uh, very loyal listeners. 
very opinionated listeners, and we appreciate that, of course. Absolutely. And he says, hey, it's Mixie with some questions. First, are you going to go by chronological order or production order? By that I mean, will you do Batman Beyond before Justice League because it was produced for first, or will you do Justice League first because it takes place first in the DCAU timeline? We are going to be going by production, production. order. Yes. Right. Um, if we tried to do it in, like, timeline order oh my god <laughs> we, our we heads would, would explode yes yeah, seriously we would both have multiple aneurysms die and you'd never hear the world's finest podcast again <laughs> because <laughs> if you think about it we would have to do teen titans first because if we're considering that in continuity and of course we are but that is it's questionable whether it is or isn't we'd have to cover that first because it, that's either a prequel to batman the animated series because of how old robin is or, because we've had this discussion in the past, remember? Oh, yeah. Several it's, times. Some, some people say it's a prequel to that because Robin's clearly younger than he is in Batman the Animated Series. But I still hold the opinion that it actually takes place after Batman the Animated Series, but before Gotham Knights. Because Which of something that happens, sense. Because of something that happens in the final season of Teen Titans in the episode Go, Robin says something that clearly makes it seem like it happens in that uh, uh time frame there. But whatever, it would probably be a prequel. That's the way it looks like it would be. And then we'd move into Batman the Animated Series, and then we'd have to do like Superman and Gotham Knights at the same time, because those are happening concurrently. I don't even know where we'd fit in Static Shock into that timeline. Static and, Shock would probably be in the middle of Justice League. Because... Oh, that's right, because the Justice League appears in that. Mm -hmm. So then, yeah, we'd do Justice League, Static Shock, then Batman Beyond... Then we'd have to go to Zeta Project, because that's after Batman Beyond, or at least concurrent with that. And then we'd have to end with Epilogue. But right now, it is just by the way they were produced. Because, as James said, our brains would just explode a thousand times over if we tried to do it any other way. Oh, I got another email from Nicholas. He's written us several times. And he asks which version of Batman Beyond Return of the Joker we are going to be reviewing. The unrated slash director's cut or the first one that was released. And, James, why don't you take this one? Oh, uh, we are going to do the unrated version because if we tried to do the edited, watered-down version, I would probably cry. Because <laughs> Return of the Joker is one of my favorite movies ever, let alone DC animated universe uh, media. It, when you watch the uh, the edited version of Return of the Joker, it you just, and you've seen the unrated before it, you just sit there and go, what? No, no, they that makes no sense. You skipped something. Now, like, I'll tell you right now, one example off the top of my head, when uh, Joker stabs Batman in uh, the leg. They cut that out of the edited version, and he just falls out of nowhere. Oh. There's like a camera pan, and he falls. And that's, <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> so, yes, we will definitely be doing the unrated, unedited version. Yeah, in my opinion, it's the only one that exists. One more time, that email address is feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. If you want to respond to anything we were just uh, speaking about or anything that we're going to say in this episode, again, write that down now so you don't have to wait until the end of the episode to get that, okay? Write it down now. Feedback exactly. at worldsfinestpodcast.com. If you want to rant at us, you know, and you want to start early, by all means. Our first episode today is called Joker's Wild, and in this one, 
we start out with the Joker and a whole bunch of the Arkham Asylum inmates sitting around watching TV. That would be uh, like Pamela, Pamela Isley, uh, the Mad Hatter, and I think the Scarecrow is there as well. They're all kind of watching TV, and the Joker comes in, and he changes the channel, and they, uh, they all start arguing about, hey, I was watching that, turn it back, blah, 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 blah. And a guard comes up and says, shut up, all of you, and he changes the channel to the news, or, yeah, yeah, it was the news he changes it to. And we see Summer Gleason as she's standing out in front of a brand-new casino that uh, is, is just about to open up. And the theme of the casino has been kept secret. It's It's this... It's this huge gallop, you know, everybody's there, including Bruce Wayne with his nameless date. And as Summer's going around trying to, you know, ask the people if they know what the theme of this uh, casino slash resort is going to be, uh, they, they pull the curtain down and we see that this place is called Joker's Wild. And it, the, the image of the clown is the Joker. It's it's not like Bozo the Clown or any other clown. It's clearly the Joker. So Summer is like, that's disgusting, like right on camera. And she tries to regain her composure. And then she walks over to Bruce Wayne to try to get his thoughts. And he's like, no comment. And he just like storms off, dragging his date behind him. And Summer then goes up to the owner, whose name is Cameron Kaiser, I think is his name. Yeah. And uh, she she goes up to him and she's like, Cameron, why would you theme your casino after one of the world's most notorious criminals? Note she says criminals and not murderers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he's, he then looks straight at the camera and he says, The Joker is, a, is, a, is an iconic symbol of gambling and gaming, and I can't help it if some psychopath just happens to look like the, like the, the, the famous clown. And the Joker's like, What? And he like throws a plant a potted plant, like, right at the TV and smashes it. And he, right then and there, declares revenge on Cameron for sullying his good name <laughs> and, and using him to make money like that. And he, as he's, as you know, he gets in this tizzy and then he starts faking like he's ill and he's being dragged out of the... Uh, of the of the TV room at Arkham Asylum, and Pamela Isley kind of laughs at him, which, uh, if you think about it, is really... I'm sure it wasn't intentional, but it's really good foreshadowing because those two are arguing back and forth, almost like a married couple, throughout that whole exchange. And later on, Pamela and Harley would become girlfriends. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Oh, I should just say they were really friends, uh-huh. you know? <laughs> and her and the Joker would get into it a lot. But we'll save that for down the road. So this was kind of foreshadowing what was to come with between those two. So yeah, so the Joker gets taken to the infirmary. And he's sitting there waiting for the doctor to come in and look at look at him. And he uh, begins his escape, and he is running around. He suds up the floor. The guards go flying everywhere. And then he is able to pull out, uh, like, a long handkerchief from his pants. He wraps a rock around it, throws it over the fence. It grabs a truck, and he goes flying out of the, uh, out of the, the, the yard. And uh, at that point, I'm trying to remember, does, does Batman get word that the Joker's escaped? Uh, was it like on TV? Or, or I can't remember. Shoot, neither do but, I. Yeah, but no matter what, Batman or Bruce, I should say, is staying at this hotel, and he suspects that this theme isn't the original theme that Cameron had planned for the hotel, and he pulls back some uh, uh, wallpaper, and you can see this 
uh, almost like, uh, I forget what it was. I think it was like swords and shields or something like that. And he, uh, I think that was going to be the theme of this place. And it was going to be called Camelot. So it was a very, you know, fantasy based hotel. And, uh, so he starts walking around as Bruce Wayne because he's patrolling because he is pretty secure and thinking that the Joker is going to turn, come to uh, attack this place. And he's right. The Joker does come. And pretty much from there, it just, degenerates into like just a big chase and fight between Batman and the Joker and the Joker trying to get the owner and Batman trying to get the owner because it turns out that that Cameron, he wanted the Joker to come and destroy the place so he could get the insurance money because it's pretty much bankrupted him opening this place up did I should say. And you know, the Joker tries to get his revenge and Batman saves the day. And that's, that's pretty much the end of it. There's a mindless circle jerk. Oh my god, this episode is so fucking bad. I fucking hate this one so much. Uh, besides that, what are your thoughts, James? Well, like I uh, told you before we start recording, I've seen this episode, God, at least a dozen times. And it never... You know, I, I always try to find something that I like that I want to like about it because uh, Joker, has, as always, has some, some pretty good lines here and there. But Really good but, lines. you know, that... Like we've said on so many other Joker episodes before, his lines can't be the saving grace of an episode. They never are. Because when, when, when his one-liners are the best part of an episode, you know that it, the episode is shit. So, and that's basically what happened here. And uh, it's... I don't know. I don't... I, this is going to be, unfortunately, a theme for the rest of this episode. On most of these episodes that we're covering today... Uh, it's just there's not a lot to be said about this episode or hardly any of the other ones that we're going to be reviewing. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm thinking this may be one of our shortest episodes ever just because I don't have a whole hell of a lot or at least I don't think I have a whole hell of a lot to say about any of these episodes because for the most part they're just all bad and one of them is just god awful. Yeah, it's it's brutal. But, you know, focusing back on back on this episode what, what what just was not working? What the hell did they get wrong? Besides everything, you know, let, let's kind of just shine a light on some of these things. Uh, well, voice acting was awful, except of course, except mm-hmm. of course for Mark Hamill because he he, right. he can do no wrong. <laughs> right. Well, he's Mark, he's Mark yeah. Hamill. Come on, you know. Yeah. So that that really goes without saying. But you know, the whole mm-hmm. the whole insurance fraud. It, God, it, I'm trying to think of how to word this because why would you build a what has to be, has to be a multi-hundred million dollar building. They say it costs three hundred million to make it. How much money are you going to get back on an insurance claim? That's that in and of itself just screwed up the whole, the the entire scheme right there, just because it's so implausible. And you know the whole, the whole. Then there's the Jack Napier thing again. And sigh. Yeah. But. Uh, I don't know. What about you? I'm because I can't. Um, it's like I said. I can't find the words to describe just how just goofy this fucking episode is. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the Jack Napier thing since you brought it up. For anybody who hasn't seen this one in a while or hasn't seen it at all, basically Batman goes into Cameron's office as he's investigating. And let me backtrack for a second here. I'd like to know why Bruce thinks that this wasn't Cameron's original idea for the hotel casino. He's sitting there talking to Alfred in the room saying, I don't think this was the original plan for this place. And then he pulls back the wallpaper and he's like, see? And you see this different wallpaper underneath. What gave him the idea that this wasn't the original 
design. There's there's nothing. There's it's we go from Bruce Wayne standing outside glaring at Summer Gleason saying no comment to him pulling back wallpaper because he has a suspicion. I don't understand what happened in between there to give him that suspicion he at all. He has telepathy and later on he'll <laughs> we'll, we'll discover that he has another power, but we'll get to that episode later and I'll I'll, I'll remember Ooh. to bring it up. He has another like uh godlike immortal power. Ooh, which which episode? Which ep- don't say what, just just say which episode. Moon of the Wolf. Okay, okay. I, I don't think I know what you're talking about there, but we'll hopefully you'll remember when we can get back there. Oh, oh, I will. Believe me. Okay, so so first of all, I don't understand why Bruce even, you know, is suspicious of what's going on here. But regardless, he is, and he goes in the Cameron's office, and he's searching, he's searching the joint, and he comes across a file that has all this information on the Joker, and sure enough, he opens it up, and it says right there, real quickly, that the Joker's real name is Jack Napier. No, God, I, I'm, I know I've ranted about this on the show before, so I'm not going to do it again. But God Almighty, it's just don't Stop. do that. Just say, just say name unknown. That's the way it's supposed to be. Batman and no one else knows the Joker's real name. Now, if they want to say that's an alias the Joker used, that's fine. Like if he puts on some uh, flesh-toned makeup and went around for a while as Jack Napier. That's that's fine, and that just means he chose the name for himself. But to say that was his name before he became the Joker is just wrong. He is name unknown, period. End of story. <laughs> oh, God, every time I see that, it just my skin just crawls. Um, and, you know, while we're speaking about the Joker here, what was up with his animation in this episode? God, it was awful. Every single time we see him, he it's different. different. Yeah. Every it's like they time. had it's like they had a dozen or more animators working on this one episode just on the Joker. Yeah, just on the Joker. Just on the Joker alone there were like hundreds of people working on him. Every they had like okay, every, like it was like one And they were all from drew, different countries. Yeah, it was like one person drew every frame of the of the animation panels. It's it's serious it seriously it just changes from cut to cut. One minute it's it's sleek his face is, I should say. The next, it's kind of broader around the jaw. It's, oh, my God. It's just, it changes mid, like, in the, he's ranting about something, and it changes mid-conversation. God, it's, oh, my God. And I shouldn't just focus on the Joker. Just across the board, the animation in this one is terrible. Yep. It's, it's it, I mean, Batman looks bad at a couple of points. Uh, just everything. This episode is just crap. Oh, it. It's like, I just don't want to keep saying that it's crap, but that's what it is. Yeah. But what was the uh, first Joker episode? Christmas with the Joker? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's right around that level of, of awfulness. It really is. I was, I was when I was uh, scoring this one, I was trying to figure out if I was going to score it uh, higher or lower than Christmas with the Joker, and I'm still not sure. I, I still honestly don't know what I'm going to give this one. I have a tentative score written down, but that, that could change by the time we get to our uh, grades at the end of this. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I, I have a question about something that happened earlier that's never followed up on. Okay, there's this, like, burly guard that brings the Joker into the infirmary. He then leaves and says, the doc will be with you in a few minutes. The Joker takes that opportunity to flee. As he's running towards the exit, the guard then steps in the panel and he makes a joke about the Joker getting away. 
So are we to assume that the guard let the Joker out? Because he never even attempts to stop the Joker. And he's clearly the biggest guy around there. Yeah, it, he could easily run up behind the Joker, grab him, and stop him. That's his job, for God's sakes. Because what happened earlier is Pamela Isley, she says, like, you're crazy to the Joker. And the Joker says, I know you are, but what am I? And when the Joker is trying to escape, I forget what he says, but the guard in the distance responds, I know you are, but what am I? And yeah. he just lets him run out and, uh, you know, grapple onto the truck and, and leave. And it's like, how did that not come back? It was yeah. like, uh, you know, you watch that episode and you think, oh, the the guard's going to become a vigilante. I know later on, in fact, I think the animated series ends on the episode called Lockup. I think, is that the last one? I'm not sure. No, okay, it's one of the last ones. It's the fourth to last one. I'm looking at my list here. Um, there's a, there's a, I think it's a prison guard or a Gotham guard that becomes uh, a vigilante. And I started thinking, maybe that's this guy? But there's no way they were setting that up years ahead of time. It's just some weird thing they threw in there and then didn't follow up on. I have no idea what the hell was supposed to be going on there. Because it really makes me think that guard let the Joker escape as if he and Cameron were in on it together. You know, well, had it fits in with this episode's overall theme of complete non <laughs> nonsense. It does. It does. You know, at the end, had we seen Cameron and the guard together or, you know, Summer Gleason revealed on her newscast that the guard was arrested for letting the Joker escape and being in cahoots with Cameron, fine. I, I, okay, great. You brought it back. But it's just there, and then nothing is done about it. He just lets the Joker, this, this madman, just out into the city. It's... It's just another one of those episodes where you you have to sit back and look at it and think that nobody really gave a shit about what they were doing when they were making it. Yeah. It, yeah, it's it's like the script came in and they said, okay, we need a script, this one sucks, but let's just approve it, get it done with, and then we'll go on to something else. Here's Here's another weird little question. It's like they weren't paying attention to what they were writing here. When the Joker gets into the casino, he... One of the dealers who are all clown faced comes up to him and says, "Hey, you're wanted it over. You're wanted over at table six or whatever." So the Joker's like, "Hmm, I'll work or, or uh, what's he say? I'll work and no play makes the Joker a dull boy or something like that, you know." And he goes over to the table because he decides he's gonna he's gonna you know pretend he's a dealer and mess with people, right? But what the Joker does is he starts rigging every hand so he's getting blackjack, thus making the three people at the table constantly lose. Well. If the Joker's fucking with the owner of this place, why isn't he constantly busting and giving out the guy's money? Well, I guess he could be keeping it for himself. He could be, because I do know later on he grabs some chips before he runs away from Batman. But, sensically, is that even a word? It makes, you know, it would, okay, let me, let me rephrase it. it logically? Would make, there you go, logically. Well, I was thinking, I was, at first I was going to say nonsense. Uh, whatever, okay, logically. I'm not even going to try to justify whatever the hell I just said. Scratch that from your memories, people. Um, logically, it would make sense that he'd want to screw this guy by hurting him where he's going to feel it the most, in the pocketbook. Mm -hmm. So instead of, okay, what's the, what are the rules of blackjack? Hit on 16, stay on 17, I think it is? Yes. Every time the Joker got 17, we should have seen him hitting. You know? Like, whoops, <laughs> and then he gets a 10. Whoops, 27, I bust again. And all these people, you know, they start making their small bets, and we see their stacks just getting larger and larger as their bets are just increasing because he's trying to screw this guy. That would have been so much better. In my that would have been funny. Yeah. It really would have been hilarious, actually. And I think I think there's an episode of The Simpsons where Homer actually does that. Oh, yeah, it was uh, 
Springfield with the dollar sign is the S. Right, yeah. It, what, he's, he's one like, of my favorite episodes, actually. Yeah, he's a dealer working for, for in Burns' casino, right? And he's kind 10, of, 12, 16, 18, 22, <laughs> 24, I lose again. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was funny there, and it would have been funny here. Oh, oh well. Um, you know, and then, okay, here's something that the... the uh, the crew of the show learned the hard way. And I do, I, I've read things online where they said they actually learned this the hard way. Don't let your animators, if they're from another country, like actually write the letters into your cartoon. Okay, like if you have a sign, don't let your foreign animators write the words that are supposed to be on that. Because when the Joker jumps in the Joker mobile to try to escape, he, he throws a, there's like a sign in the front seat, and he throws it. Well, if you pause to look at what the sign says, this is what the sign actually says. Wan the Siren Canal Joker No Sile. Well, if you study that, it should clearly be when the original Joker mobile. And this, this has happened in other episodes where signs don't read as they should because they let the Korean animators just write, you know, whatever they wanted instead of what was actually supposed to be there, and it brings the episode down for me. As, um, if, that, as if this episode needed any help doing that. And then, why... This just hurts my brain. Why do rich supervillains always seem to have, like, money just laying around that they throw into a briefcase at the last minute? <laughs> like, and every time there's, like, some rich fuck that's just having to escape in that moment, they always have, like, stacks of $10,000 sitting in their drawer that they can quickly throw in a briefcase and run away with. Petty cash fund. <laughs> is that what it is? I don't <laughs> know. Their petty cash. It just, it's one of those, like, cliches that bothers me because it doesn't even make sense. Especially this guy who thought he was going to get away with his scheme. It's not like, uh-oh, the police are after me. I better take some money while I'm on the run. No, this guy thought his scheme was coming to fruition and he was going to be rolling in the dough any minute now. He didn't need... All that money he was taking. It's, it's very irksome because it's so goddamn cliched. And then this guy... Okay, I can see Lex Luthor doing what I'm about to say, but this guy, he's got a desk with a button that makes his floor electrified. Why would he have that? <laughs> Why in the bloody hell would he have it? He's not Lex Luthor. He's not some great super criminal. He's Wilson just, Fisk or somebody. Uh, you can... Almost, I am stressing, almost justify it by saying because he was planning to have the Joker come there, maybe he thought the Joker would get to the office before he himself could flee and he would need a way to subdue the Joker, hence the electrified floor. But because that's never said in the episode, we just see that he has electric, that we just see that he has the electric, electrified floor, pardon my stumbling there, that he uses on Batman. We just, we don't know why he has it, you know? If he had just said something to the effect of, uh, God, I knew this would come in handy with, right. when the Joker came around. Right, I, I, was, I was saving this for the Joker, but you'll do. Yeah. And he fries the Batman. Five seconds, that's all it would have taken. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, again, it's just another stupid cliche that, you know, it works like in The Simpsons, because that's supposed to be a cartoon. And Mr. Burns is over-the-top evil. He's just over-the-top. But when you're doing it in a show like this, which is supposed to have a more serious tone, even though it's a cartoon, it just doesn't work. And it, it comes off as what it is. Freaking cliched. Oh. 
you know, oh, and I should get back to the sinking. I know I'm ranting here, James. I should I should afford you some time. No, um, it's all right. Really. <laughs> but getting back to the lip syncing in the helicopter, when the Joker's in the helicopter and he's got um, Cameron at, literally at gunpoint, did you notice that like every every other with every other word, the Joker's tongue comes like f- like just comes it's just flailing about. Look at his tongue; it keeps popping out of his mouth like he's a puppy. <laughs> It's just like pop, 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 pop. It's just, it's, I don't know if he's licking his lips or what he's doing, but his tongue is just like wagging around. He looks like freaking Venom, for God's sakes. Didn't uh, Venom and Joker fight in like Marvel versus DC or something? Um, I or maybe that was maybe that was Lobo. I can't remember. I know um, there was a Spider-Man Batman crossover where the Joker and Carnage, I believe, teamed up. That makes um, sense. But in a weird way. I don't remember if Venom was in that crossover. If Carnage was there, Venom probably was, but who knows. I, it's been so long since I unfortunately read that. Um, Christ, I think that's all I have to say about this one, James. Is there anything else you want to say? I mean, No, let's, let's move on, please. <laughs> I'm begging you. And our next episode in this very unfortunate episode of World's Finest <laughs> Podcast is Tiger Tiger. We're in. Selena Kyle is kidnapped by uh, this genetic scientist engineer guy who... He looks uh, like John Glover with red hair. Yes. Yes, he does. If they were to ever to make this episode into a movie, and I don't know why they would, but if they did, they have to cast John Glover. But anyway, I'm sorry. Uh, no, <laughs> that's all right. We gotta. We're gonna have to have some kind of sidebars while describing this episode because I think it's even worse than the previous one. Mm. But uh, anyway, Selena Kyle's kidnapped by this guy, and she's basically used as a uh, a test subject for these like man cat uh, hybrid uh, genetic formulas and shit, and is basically being groomed to be the mate of. This scientist guy's uh, pre already made uh, man cat tigress. Batman, of course, learns of this and comes to the island to rescue Selena. And when he does, he's captured and he has to fl- uh, run and fly all over the place in this gigantic dome, which is preposterously large, and and try and avoid avoid this gigantic tiger cat man thing and rescue Selena. That's about it. That's that's really my first gripe about this, among many, is how the hell much space does this guy have? It's that that dome is must be three or four miles in diameter. Oh God, God, this episode is awful. It, it's it's one of it might be in my bottom five Batman episodes. It really might be. I'm not sure yet, but because when all is said and done, who knows what might be down okay. there? But but this one is a definite contender. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Upon viewing it, right before we started recording, this, and I've seen this episode before, obviously, many times, but upon viewing it again, this was the very first time I actually liked this episode. I I don't know, I can't pinpoint what I liked about it, but previously I felt like you were. I always thought this one was in the bottom, that it was just... Not very good at all. And I could never even pinpoint why I didn't like it. I just didn't. There was something about it. But yeah, watching it again, I actually like this one. Well, 
uh, what you like about it. That's what I'm saying. I'm having <laughs> you trouble don't... pinpointing it. I mean, pinpointing exactly what it is. There's, it has some really good lines, first off. Like, uh, what do you call it? When Batman, you know, the the professor, what was his name? It's uh, Dorian. Uh, Emil Dorian. Yeah. Dorian is about to, he's, he's tells, you know, he tells Batman, hey, if, you know, you and Tigress are going to battle, and if you win, I'll give you the antidote for Selina's current condition. And uh, Batman turns around, and he, or, yeah, Batman turns around, and he says, how do I know you'll keep your word? And Dorian just says, you don't. And it's just this awesome supervillain mad scientist line. It's like, you know, it's not, there's no honor with this guy. He's not a freaking Klingon, like, no, I, my word is my bond. He flat out says, no, you don't know that I'm going to keep my word. So, you know, you better give that, you better take advantage of that head start I'm giving you. I think that's an awesome line. And then, like, not even a few minutes later, Batman and Tigress are fighting, and it's revealed that Tigress can talk, and he's, you know, Tigress is all like, my father said, my father said. And Batman looks at him, you know, and just coldly says, your father was a test tube. It's <laughs> like both those lines right there are, like, really cool. I don't know. I, that I think those right there kind of brought it up for me. And then the, the animation in this one is solid. Yeah. If, if you're going to praise anything about this episode, you really have to say, especially compared to Joker's Wild. I mean, seriously. Anything, anything would be, an early South Park episode could compare favorably <laughs> to last the last episode. That is true. Um, as I was watching this one, I'm a couple minutes in, and I'm like, wow, this one looks good. This looks so good. I'm like, why does this one look so good? And then I was like, I looked down at the notes I was taking, I'm like, oh, that's because I just watched Joker's Wild. <laughs> but no, you know, there's, there's certain times where... I know there's there's a couple of different styles they would use on Batman, and there's there's two very distinct ones, and this is this is the one that I actually prefer. They're both good, but this is the style I prefer, where his cape is looks it actually looks like it's leather or whatever it's supposed to be. Um, his his face is a little longer. Uh, just just look at the way this one's animated and compare it to other ones, and you and you'll see you'll start to pick up that they use this style from time to time. And then there's the other style that they use more often. And I, like I said, I prefer this style. So that I think also brings it up a point or two in, in, uh, in my mind is what I'm trying to say there. Um, now, now what is it about this one that you don't like since this one is so down on the list for you? It's to me, it's just flat out boring. There's really nothing that I can, if upon watching it and like, Say, I've watched it, and then two hours later, somebody asked me, oh, well, what did you think of Tiger, Tiger, that Batman episode? I'd be like, um, I don't know. There wasn't really anything I remember from it. Huh. It's just, it's not an episode I like to watch. It, the, the whole um, Selena's DNA being uh, mutated, she shouldn't be able to be uh, reconstituted into a human. Yeah. I really don't think so, because uh, her DNA was changed <laughs> But if it can be changed once... Oh, in, yeah, let's we can in, change it twice. Yeah, in, in a very comic booky cartoon logic, it could be changed back. That's all I'm saying. That's, yeah. that's all I'm saying. I'm not, you know... No, that, I know. That, that's, that's, I'm just throwing it out there. <laughs> yeah, that's... See, that's... And I don't have a lot of notes for this episode. Shock of shocks right there. <laughs> but, uh, it's, but that's really why, because it's just not an episode that stands out to me. It, it's boring to watch hmm. overall um and like i said earlier that how did this guy 
come across all this money to build this gargantuanly, preposterously sized uh, mountainous forest area for this this tigress thing to run around and train to do whatever, whatever it is he does. Yeah. It's just like... And I don't think... Do they ever even really give a reason why this guy, Dorian, does what he does? All they said that I can remember is he likes cats more than humans. Yeah, that was it. That was it. What what is this guy's, you know, M.O.? What is his purpose for being there? What does he want to accomplish? I will say, though, that I like, I'm, I'm, I told you this before, I'm always a sucker for uh, liter- literary uh, allusions, and uh-huh. the, William, the whole William Blake thing was, that was nice. Because I, I can I remember the Tiger, I had to read it for humanities uh, class at college, so I remembered it from that, and that's that was a nice little thing. Another thing I did like, which uh, is very rare in this episode, uh, was the ending where uh, Selena tries to, you know, get this Tigress guy to, you know, give up on himself and not just run back out into the wild or whatever. It was it was actually a sad moment there. No, it really is. I mean, earlier in the episode, I I noticed that they were trying too hard to be dramatic. Um, this was one of those cases where they were trying to make the villains sympathetic, and I think they tried too hard. At the end, at the very last moment, it actually worked. You're like, oh man, this guy's got nothing. You know, his father's being taken away. The woman he loved, or at least thought he loved, is going to be turned human again, and he'll never see her again. And he's just mm-hmm. going to be stuck on this island fending for himself. It's like, that's sad. But earlier, as they were trying to build him up and lead us to that moment, you know, when they're trying to make him somewhat sympathetic, it wasn't working earlier, and it just came off as them trying way too hard. Like, they were trying to recapture that Mr. Freeze or Harvey Dent moment. And they, they did it so much that we, you know, generally don't give a crap about Tigress overall. I, I like Tigress's, you know, I must be the best mentality that he has that, you know, in the wild alpha male, if I beat the other hunters, then I can get the girl kind of thing going on. Because he wasn't, you know, a, a, a human turned animal like Selena and the henchman Garth were. I think, was Garth a human or was he a monkey that got turned into a sort of man thing? Uh, I think, yeah, I think that was it. Okay, well, with Selena, at the very least, she's a human that's being turned into this cat thing, but when it comes to Tigress, he was birthed from a test tube, just like Batman said. There was there was no human that got turned into him, um, so he's going to have those alpha male in the wild instincts, and I really like that, but what I didn't like about that is... You know, there's one point where he's talking to Selena about how he has to kill Batman and then she'll love him. She then says, no, search your feelings and you'll know that's not true. And then he like looks at her and then he runs off because, you know, he realizes she's right. But he shouldn't realize that she's right. Because his feelings, as she told him to search, are that he has to kill Batman to to win her. There, There's nothing that he has seen or experienced that would show him that what she's saying is actually right. Yeah, because he never had those feelings at any point in his short, I guess, short life. Yeah, yeah. they say that, they give you an idea that he's roughly 20 years old. Because at one point, like after that, when the when uh, Dorian's smacking him around, mm-hmm. he says, 20 years wasted. So you have to assume, you know, he's probably been raising this thing for 20 years, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- I think to that end, he was probably 
cooking up this uh, oh. this serum and all this other this all this other gunk and garbage for a lot of, a lot of that time and this thing is maybe five years old. I didn't even think about that. You're probably right. Yeah. Regardless, no matter how old he is, he's he's never had reason to doubt his father or question him. So why is he starting now? Because this human woman cat thing says that he should doubt his dad? It just doesn't make sense. Even though I liked the front half of it, the alpha the alpha male stuff, I don't like the stuff that Le- that that Selena says to him, you know, and then he suddenly starts questioning his instincts. It just doesn't make sense. One and one aren't coming together. And I guess one more thing I'll give this episode is that when Batman and Tigress are fighting and, you know, they're fighting on the, the rope bridge and it breaks and they start falling and Batman grabs that branch and he's able to save himself. Mm-hmm. Like, he just, like, Tigress, just, like, zip right past him. He doesn't even attempt to save Tigress. And I kind of like that because... It goes to what Batman said earlier about your father was a test tube. It's like he doesn't even see Tigress as, like, life. Because you know how Batman's all, oh, I have to protect life, I can't kill. He doesn't even see this, he doesn't see it as human or uh, probably not even sentient, even though it can talk. It's just this thing that was born out of a science experiment. So he lets it fall to its apparent doom. He has no idea that this thing is going to come back. Because he starts walking away, and he meets up with Selina, and they're going to leave. you know. But then Tigress, of course, gets involved. But I thought it was really hardcore that Batman just apparently let this guy die. Because in my mind, he didn't see him as being alive in the first place. Or at least human. Yeah. No, I really don't have a lot else to say, other than it was just not an episode I care to watch ever. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's It just it lulls me to sleep every time I see it. I think there's one, yeah, there's one later on that we'll be speaking about in this grouping that what you just said right there is exactly what I'll be saying about. This next episode that we're going to talk about in this crap fest of episodes is called Moon of the Wolf. And in this one... uh, a werewolf attacks a uh, a man in the park, and Batman gets on the trail trying to figure out, you know, he initially thinks that it's a man in a wolf mask that is attacking people, and he quickly figures out that it is actually a werewolf, and he starts trying to figure out who could this wolf possibly be, who could have turned this person into a werewolf and whatnot, and uh, throughout his... Uh, detectiving, I guess, throughout his investigation. I should say there's another instance of Mike just making up a word, detectiving. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. I'm going to do that a lot, too. (laughs) Okay. So throughout his investigations, he uh, figures out that... Does he ever even figure it out that the werewolf is that athlete, or does he... Oh, yeah. Wait, does he? You know, I don't even know if he does. No, he doesn't, because... I don't think... No, because he was knocked out at the time. Yeah. He's knocked out through the whole thing. I mean, I think at the end he's able to put two and two together, but during the actual show it doesn't happen. Um, but, yeah, he he's trying to figure out who this, this werewolf is, and we see uh, Professor Milo comes back, of all oh, people. Oh, goody. Yeah, <laughs> complete with his Mo Shemp haircut. He comes back, and it turns out that he gave a uh, an experimental steroid that was mixed with the estrogen of a wolf to this big-time athlete 
who, uh, you know, this thing's undetectable. Unlike normal steroids, this thing is completely undetectable. And he gives it to this athlete, and this athlete goes on to win the uh, DCAU version of the Olympics. He just, gold medal after gold medal after gold medal. And, you know, he becomes this, like, multimillionaire through endorsements and appearances and whatnot. But the side effect of this serum is that it turns this guy into the werewolf. And so now Professor Milo is able to use this guy however he sees fit, you know, and he's constantly dangling the carrot of the antidote in front of him. And uh, he says, Milo says to this, what's his name? It's Romulus, right? Yeah. Yeah, he finally says to Romulus, look, uh, for real, I'll give you the antidote if you kill Batman, I think is what he says. And so he, Romulus's way, Romulus's way of tricking Batman into uh, his his clutches is he says, you know, I was going to donate like a million dollars to the Gotham United Fund, but I will double that if Batman personally picks up the check. And when someone questions him why, you know, when someone says, why do you want Batman to pick up the check? He's like, oh, I want to see the second best athlete in Gotham. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, real funny. And, uh, Batman shows up and he gets gassed by Romulus, who apparently can just stand there in this gas room. And even Milo comes into this room that's still gassed, and he doesn't get knocked out. I don't know, maybe they had an antidote or some sort of, uh, fuck, uh, I don't know what they this did. Episode, well, this episode's full of Deus Ex Machinus, so we'll oh, yeah. just go with it. So, yeah, okay. <laughs> you sound so enthused, James. Oh, don't I, though? <laughs> yes. So they take Batman to Batman's collapsed body to what I think is a quarry, or is it like a, like a stadium that's under construction? I think it's a quarry because of the crane and everything there, just the cliffs okay, cause it's all sort over of, the place. Because at first I thought it was a quarry, and then I thought it was a stadium, because if you look, it looked like there were seats, and the outside of the quarry, which we see, of this building, I should say, that we see a few times, looks detailed, like, they're, like it's still under construction. So, But whichever it is, they, they chain them to the ground, and the idea is that Romulus is going to turn into a wolf, and he's going to go kill Batman, and then that'll be the end of the Dark Knight. But the second he turns into the wolf, he turns on Milo to try to get the antidote, and the antidote shatters all over the ground. And then Batman and this thing fight, and the police come, and that's it, I think. <laughs> that That's mostly true, but yeah. remember, remember how I said that uh, there was... The Batman has another innate godlike power. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some, that plays into that little air, that little uh, scene there, but we'll get to that mm-hmm. momentarily. Well, take it away, James. Oh my God, where to start? This this episode is embarrassingly bad, just from start to finish. It, it's just you you feel like a lesser human being being a fan of the show almost yep. and watching this episode. It's like if you're watching pro wrestling and like the uh, Katie Vick stuff happens oh, and your family walks into the room while you're watching it and you're like this isn't what they really show all the time <laughs> that's what I thought about when I watched this episode uh, the first you know it's there's the animation is subpar at best the dialogue is awful oh my god it's awful the voice acting is terrible and it, just the, the lines that are said by Milo mostly Timberwolf estrogen what the fuck? <laughs> that right from there, I was like, "This, this, this is going to be painful to watch." <laughs> it, and like I said a few minutes ago, uh, de- the Deus Ex Machina just everywhere, 
everywhere. Nothing, Batman has like the luck of uh, of like every four leaf clover in Ireland. And during this episode, there's a little metal clip that just happens to be laying there while he's chained up. The, this this wrecking ball thing is just happens to be there, and then. Of course, Batman summons the lightning to strike him as soon as he gets onto the he gets hit by the wrecking ball. Batman summons his godlike Thor lightning and just blasts him into a river. Well, I can I can actually explain that. I can explain that away, James. Okay. I can. Here we go. Okay. This episode was written by Len Wein. Okay, he's a big-time comic book writer. Despite mm-hmm. the crappiness, the absolute absolute crappiness of this episode, of Moon of the Wolf, he is a really good writer. So don't let this episode sour you on his comic book writing. Now, here's how I can justify this, okay? Here are some of the characters he created. He created Swamp Thing, mm-hmm. Nightcrawler. I, oh, I shouldn't say created, co-created. i got to give credit to the artist. Swamp Thing, Nightcrawler. Colossus, Wolverine, and Storm of the X-Men. So clearly, Batman knows Storm. And she <laughs> shot that bolt of lightning at the crane right when the wolf was getting hit by it. So it was Storm. It was Storm. Batman said, hey, Storm, can you? I'm having trouble with this guy. Can you come down and zap, zap, zap? And that's what she did. It was an uncredited cameo appearance. Yep. Yeah, apparently because she never shows up on screen. <laughs> I wanted him to just look at this guy and say, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> that, I would have upped this this uh, this episode's grade a point mm-hmm. all the way up into positive numbers. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking at my notes here, and the very last note I have written down was, or I should say is, is what was the plot? <laughs> like, I have no <laughs> idea what was going on. It was just like the previous episode. Yeah. There's there's no explanation as to why the main villain, who is Dr. Milo, is doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. Nothing is explained. Mm-hmm. Just God, this is this is the most painful episode of the of World's Finest Podcast we may ever do. Yeah, I, it definitely is. And okay, I understand and I appreciate what they were trying to do here. If you strip away all the just the sheer shit that covers Moon of the Wolf, they were trying to write the anti-drug episode. Mm-hmm. That's what they were trying to do here. They were trying to write the moral tale. I mean, they flat out say steroids in this episode. You don't mm-hmm. generally mention a drug by name or really even mention drugs in any sort of animated series. And, you know, what they were doing here is they were saying, look, cheaters never win. This guy took steroids that were mixed with wolf estrogen, and he becomes a millionaire through his gold medals and sponsorships and all that, like I said, right? But at the end of the day, you know, he becomes this werewolf that never gets cured of his werewolfism. The serum breaks on the ground, and he's forever trapped in that form. So they were trying to say, see, you might, drugs might, you know, make you feel good in the moment, but at the end of the day, you're going to be... A werewolf, or whatever they were trying to say. <laughs> that would be a great moral for, for that episode. Look, yeah. take steroids, you're going to turn into this wolf estrogen timber wolf thing. Now, oh, but, you know, they did, in uh, Batman Beyond, they they actually pull that off, the, the anti-drug thing. They pull it off very well, with uh, Bane being crippled and in a wheelchair Ooh. in the future. They pull it off there. Here, no, <laughs> not, 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 even, not even in the same ballpark, city, state, country. Maybe not in the same galaxy. It's it, it's 
it's like night and day between those two episodes. With, with this, the Batman Beyond episode, it was brilliantly done, and but here it's just oh my god, mm-hmm. just just punched to the face, bad. Yeah. <sighs> um, and did you notice how many times? Okay, hang on. I had to pause there just just to try to think about this. Collect your thoughts. Yeah. Okay. It was. Okay. <laughs> I'm thinking it out. It's so bad. It's so bad. Okay. <laughs> every in every scene, every scene, every scene, every fucking scene that Professor Milo is in, his coat changes from white to brown. If it's like there's there'll be like a close up where you can see like his face and his shoulders where his coat is white. Then they'll pull back so that you see him talking to Romulus at the construction yard, and now the coat's brown. Close up, white. They'll pull back, it's still white. But then they'll cut to Romulus, and Milo will be in the background. The coats turn brown. This happens, I am not kidding, at least a dozen or more times. His coat is constantly changing color, and he's not the only one. Um, at one point, the the... the the logo, the the crest on Batman's chest, the yellow becomes white. There's another scene at right at the end when uh, Romulus is changing into the wolf for this final time, where we see the arm in the foreground is the gray fur, but the arm in the background is yellow fur. Earlier in the episode, we see him uh, in mid transformation, where he's only like half way there, and he has to keep taking the drug. Because what, what did Milo say to him? I can't cure mild lycanthropy like, or whatever. Like, but lycanthropy. My, my can't, right, but I can cure full... What? What? I can't <laughs> cure half the disease, but I can here keep taking this and I can cure all of it? What? <laughs> it's like a math equation trying to explain a disease. <laughs> does, does that make sense? I mean, okay, you and I, we're not doctors. We're not scientists. But if there happens to be any scientists, doctors... I don't know, whatever. That Chem listen, major? Yeah, that listens to World's Finest Podcast. Write in and let us know, please, if that is true, that you can't cure a disease that's... In its, in its on stages? In its infancy? <laughs> you have to wait until it's full-blown. Like, I'm sorry, we can't help you while you have HIV, but once you have AIDS, we can oh, help you. You're, you're in good shape when you got AIDS. <laughs> I mean, what the bloody hell? Um, okay, what was I going to say about that? Oh, so yeah, so yeah, he's in mid-transformation at one scene, and we see that his fur is uh, closer to the color of his skin. You know, it's it's lighter. So, mm-hmm. But at the end, when he's transforming, his arm in the background is one color, and his arm in the foreground is another color. It just doesn't even make sense. And I think there's another time where Romulus's shirt changes color, too. So it's not just limited to... Uh, Milo's jacket. Oh, I know his shirt changes color. It goes from like white to this kind of lilac green color. Yeah, you're yeah. It's just what how did, how does something like that happen? Like point blank, how do they fuck up that bad? It's not like it happened once, like in uh shoot, uh Heart of Ice where the the bat symbol changes real briefly. It, I think it flips from black on yellow to yellow on black. That's a, a you know, once that that happened. This Multiple times throughout the episode. How do you screw up that bad? 
I don't. Maybe they didn't think it was screw, screw up. I think that uh, they they made this episode just to see how bad they could do an episode. <laughs> okay, here's the plan, guys. We've done these really great episodes like Heart of Ice and Two Face. Okay, we've got them under our belts now. Now that we know that we can write like the best things that are on TV, let's just shit on a script and put it out. Yeah, <laughs> watch the money roll in. Oh, you just sounded like Lewis Black. That was brilliant. <laughs> I don't think I was as angry as him, though. <laughs> yeah, well, that's a compliment, though. He's my favorite comedian. Oh, well, so thank you. That was that was very good. Thank you. Now, the the one, this is literally, I think, the one positive I'm going to say about this episode. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean this. I, I'll I'll take all the laughing out of my voice here. What I did like about this is that it this episode and the previous one seem to have a bit of continuity together because. At one point, Batman thinks to himself, out loud, of course, that he says, he looks at his hand and he sees the uh, the hair on there from his fight with the werewolf. And he says something like, uh, maybe he wasn't wearing a mask. And to me, that implies that he just had the event, the adventure in Tiger Tiger where he fought a genetically mutated creature. Well, Either was... that or it, he's thinking about like Man-Bat or something like that. But either way, the continuity is implied in here, because he's he's fought these types of creatures before. This isn't the first time. He knows it, and we know it. So that is literally the one thing that I will give this episode. Yeah. Well, along those lines, the uh, the guy at the beginning of this episode is it's the same zookeeper from Tiger Tiger. That's what I thought. Thank you. It, it's the same guy. There's no difference at all in their in their character designs or anything. When I was because because what happens in this one is the zookeeper actually comes back, and it turns out that he supplied the Timberwolves that would be used to make what? Do we even know why the Timberwolves were stolen? No, remember? that's we, They never tell us what, what the hell Milo was up to. Right, yeah. So... It's like Milo saw this as his chance to get uh, a lot of money to blackmail this guy, and that was about it. Yeah, what, what were the wolves for? Jesus Christ. But regardless, yeah... You're, I guess it was just to get that estrogen. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, if, like like I said, as it turns out, this guy basically let my you know he turned his back as Milo was taking the the wolves from the from the zoo. So, and on one hand, it's kind of neat that we saw the character come back, but um, but did we actually see the character come back, or are they just being lazy and reusing a model? That's that was my immediate thought yeah. right there, because I can't I can't give this episode any benefit of any doubt. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Oh, and Christ on a stick! What about my or not Milo Romulus's unibrow? <laughs> oh my God! <sighs> it's he's like freaking. It's worse than Bird of Bert and Ernie fame. What I have to wonder is why did the serum that Romulus takes take so long to turn him into a werewolf? It's like he's, you know, he drinks this shit down, he goes on, he wins the gold medals, and then at some point later on, it, a week, months, month, and a years year, later, all of a sudden there's a full moon and I'm a werewolf. I mean, why did it take so long? Because it, it clearly, it clearly implies that it wasn't like that. Okay, him taking the serum and him transforming, we know there's been more than there's been more than one full moon because yeah, of all plus- the money he suddenly has. I have I have an explanation for that since you know you've got your storm explanation mm-hmm. I have my explanation for this mm-hmm. clearly clearly the pollution in Gotham City has covered up every full moon in like a year and a half time span There you go there Clearly you go. that had to be it <laughs> The the red the red 
and black skies have all have always just hidden the moon from from everybody's view, especially on full full moon nights for every single month for like sixteen months. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm looking at my notes here, and I and I'm not joking when I say this. Every other line, I am noting when someone's clothing changed colors. I have coat here. Here, these are my notes. Coat changes from white or possibly gray to brown and to brown and back and back and back and back. And then the next line is a nice unibrow. And then the next line after that is coat again, meaning it's changed colors. Then I've, I mentioned steroids. Then after that, my note is Romulus's shirt changes color. And it's just, and after that, there's more, just cream to dark, dark to cream. Just, geez, it, it, again, I, I know we mentioned it before, but how does that happen? Seriously, <laughs> how do you not notice that these things are changing colors? I mean, Okay, you're going to notice that. You're putting out an episode, and you're going to notice that. And you got to get an episode out. Well, just change the timetable, man. Like, delay this one and put another episode out in this one's place, and then you could fix those errors. Christ. Yeah. And this was another episode where the villain got the better of Batman somehow in this gas-filled room mm-hmm. where he didn't unmask Batman. Yeah. And why, why would Dr. Milo not unmask Batman? He's not like the Joker where he's like, oh, it would ruin all the fun. Mm-hmm. Or, or even the Penguin or Two-Face or somebody. They, they, may not, they may have their own little psych, psychopathic reasons for not removing his mask. But not this, this schmuck with like the shack in the middle of a quarry making <laughs> chemicals and shit. Yeah, Milo, he, would, he would jump at the chance to rip his mask off. Milo's already blackmailing some dude. So if you can get Batman's secret identity and then luck out and tur- it turns out it's Bruce Wayne, like the richest dude in the world next to Lex Luthor, like, oh, my God, you're going to jump at that opportunity to blackmail him. You know? Yep. Like, oh. Yeah, the fact that his mask is not off is so irksome because – and they could have done it, too. They absolutely oh, yeah. could have done it because Romulus stays as a wolf, so if he sees the identity, he's not talking to anybody. And if Milo gets it, well, really, who's going to believe Milo? He's some schmuck. No one's going to believe him. Or he's just, yeah. chances are, he's going to keep it to himself. Uh, or, you know, because if he came to out in the open, he'd be arrested anyway, because he's probably wanted by the Gotham PD on numerous animal cruelty charges and stuff like that. But how about, and how about that gas-filled room? Or <laughs> <laughs> nope, where only Batman is, is knocked out by it. I know, I mean... Did... <sighs> okay, they, they... Okay, Romulus asks Batman if he wants a drink. Batman refuses... And then when Milo comes in, he's like, oh, you should have drink, you should have taken the offered drink, Batman. Is that to imply that if Batman would have had the glass of water, he wouldn't have gotten knocked out? And that's how these guys aren't knocked out because they drank the Kool-Aid? I mean, I don't... No, well, I don't know, because he said specifically that you should have taken the doctor drink. So, are, I don't understand why they even added that in. I mean, they just... It was like a backup plan, I guess, but... It, it, I mean, the gas being a backup plan, but again, why did it not knock them out? They never explain it. I know, Milo, okay, you could almost, stress the almost, almost. say that Romulus can stand there because of his altered whatever. But Milo should have walk in, walked in with a gas mask or at least a handkerchief over his mouth. Yeah. Just something, something to show, hey, I realize that I'm walking into this room that just knocked out the Batman. Ugh. Crazy, and I mean, it, it kills me and for two reasons. One, this is Batman the Animated Series. No episode should be this bad, ever. None. And then the other thing, again, it goes back to the writer. Len Wein is an 
a really good writer. For him to have written something like this is just so it's, depressing. It's a black eye. It is. I mean, this guy created, or co-created, like, seriously, some of the biggest names in comics. Swamp Thing, Nightcrawler, Storm, Colossus, and Wolverine. Wolverine. This guy <laughs> co-created Wolverine, for God's sakes. I, how do you go from that to this? So I wish sad. I had an explanation like I did with the pollution and you did with Storm, but <laughs> alas, I do not. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 the only thing that I can come up with, really, is that they approached him and said, hey, we want to do a socially conscious episode about drugs. Can you write it? And wrap it around like a werewolf or something. And, <laughs> I could just imagine them approaching uh, Ween and uh, <laughs> like, all right, this is going to be an anti-drug episode where we tell kids don't take steroids, but can you throw a werewolf in there and and a goofy mad scientist? Yeah. I wanted to, I would love to have been there to hear his response to that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. So I'm really hoping that. You know, when you try to do things that are socially conscious, such as your favorite cartoon, James, Captain Planet, they always turn out to be crap. They always do. 100% of the time, they do not work. And I'm really hoping that's what happened here. Like, they honestly went in trying to put out an anti-drug message, showing kids that, you know, cheaters never prosper, prosper, excuse me, and that drugs ultimately get you nowhere or turn you into a werewolf, as I said earlier. And Mm -hmm. that... You know, their heart was in the right place, but at the end of the day, the episode just didn't work. Just, you know how sometimes you're doing something and everything gels? This was that instant where just nothing came together for whatever yeah. reason. That's what I'm hoping. I'm really hoping they just didn't shit out a script because they had to. I'm hoping they yeah. tried too hard and it just got screwed up. Or, hey, you know what? They could come out and say, we rushed it. Point blank. We rushed it. We fucked up. There you go. And I'd go, okay. You rushed it. Thanks for explaining what happened here. But as far as I know, I've never heard an explanation as to why this one sucks ass. next episode today is Day of the Samurai, which is, it's more or less the second part of a, of a uh, split-up two-parter, where uh, Kyodai Ken returns uh, to seek revenge on Bruce Wayne and Batman. Who he now knows uh, are one and the same. Yes. And, through, and to do this, he kidnaps uh, the star student of Yoru-sensei, uh, who taught both Kyodai and Bruce in Japan, uh, and... Kyodai Ken's uh, ransom is that he wants the scroll that teaches uh, this uh, mystic uh, fighting technique that was that uh, was banished into a mountain somewhere in Japan, so that nobody could ever uh, reap its terrible—I uh, don't know—repercussions. I should, I, I might say, uh, and use it to you know use it on somebody because it was that it was that horrible. So that's about it there. The technique was so horrible that they couldn't burn it. They had to put it in a box and store it in a cave. That's yeah. how bad it was. They couldn't even use logic 
to get rid of the technique. <laughs> they had I to know. hide it for 500 years instead of just burning it so no one could ever find it again. Eh, apparently, uh, Yoro Sensei's great, 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 great grandfather or whoever it was didn't have a lot of common sense. No, like that's um, that's what I'm telling you right here. He was so overcome with despair that he came up with this fighting technique that logic just went straight out the window with him. If he was such a noble guy, why would he create such a horrid, <laughs> a horrible, like demonic almost fighting technique? <laughs> I have no answers for you. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't either. This just this whole episode of WFP is just it's uh I don't even know. I know. And then, at and this point at this point I don't know what to say. Yeah. And then here's the worst part. Here's the worst part. Not only did they not burn or not only did the great 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 grandfather not not only not burn the technique, not only did he stash it away in a cave, he created a map to it that someone yeah. can find and he hands it down from generation to generation here's this map that you got to keep that can never fall into someone else's hands but father why can't we just burn the map don't ask questions <laughs> <laughs> you and your smart mouth i mean what the hell god there's like no sense going on in this episode at all uh. oh god well let me see what did i like about this episode uh, anytime Batman speaks a different language, I love it. Yes. Because it's almost, it almost always is very cool, mm-hmm. and it adds to the story. To the and, character. Or to the character, and to the character, mm-hmm. yes. And it's unexpected. It, You're like, oh, Batman knows Japanese now. Makes sense. Yeah, he's the world's greatest detective. He might as well know every language in the world. Yeah, he lived there for a while. Sure, it makes sense. That's cool. Mm-hmm. And I love the surprise on the girl's face when he starts speaking to her, too. It's like, oh, okay, he can understand me. <laughs> Because <laughs> I think he just says one line to her, doesn't he? Yeah, he's stay put. Yeah. That was it. That's all he says. Mm-hmm. And it's you know something they revisit in uh, Justice League too, and one of the coolest moments ever in that series. But that's uh, I don't know. That episode had like a coolest moment ever in every episode. <laughs> yeah, I know that series. God, I can't wait till we start reviewing I know. Justice League. It's I'm just chomping at the bit. As we but were it's doing, so it's so far away. I know, as we were watching these five episodes, or as as I as I was watching these five episodes, I'm like, oh Christ, how many more until we get to Gotham Knights? You know, like, come <laughs> yep. on, but Mask of the Phantasm or something. something. Yeah, I mean, now I know these five. This this grouping of five is you know the exception to the rule here. You know what I mean? Yeah, it, yeah, it really is. Batman the animated series is hands down. We've said it before. The best cartoon, uh, pretty much ever. Uh, put out there. I mean, yeah, Justice League is probably better than it, but I almost maybe put the, this one ahead of it because it did well, start the, the trend. What's that? Yeah, for, and for the time it was it was made right. in the early nineties. Yeah, it was a it was a mold breaker. Right. So no, I, I understand that this is a uh, this is this is a rare occurrence for there not to be just one bad episode, but multiple bad episodes just back to back <laughs> to back. Um, yeah, we're getting a lot of them out of the way, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. But, yeah, watching them was a chore. I seriously was like, Christ, mm-hmm. I, I can't wait till we get to even, like, static shock, for God's sakes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Christ. Uh, what else What else did I like? Oh, yeah, uh, Batman bitch-slapping Kyoto Ken. Yeah, at the just, end. Just, <laughs> just whap, 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 whap. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, Back and just forth. Knocking his, just swapping his arm away, and then just psh, 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 right in his face. Yeah, it was so <laughs> cool. I, I laughed so hard at that. It was, it was just so unexpected. Yeah, because up till that point, Kyodai Ken was always kicking his ass. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, we knew that when Kyodai Ken said that he was better than him, because he said it in the first episode, 
um, that it was true, because Batman was always getting beat up. I mean, Robin had to save him in that first one. If it weren't for Robin, Batman would have got decapitated. Yep. And all of a sudden, at the end, Batman's like, you know what, enough of this shit, and I'm just smacking this guy around. Shut up and fight. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that's about it for stuff I liked. How about you? Uh, I'm looking at my notes here, and... Well, you know, I take that back. One other thing. Uh, I liked Yoro Sensei. He he was a good... I liked his... Uh, he was like the straight man of the episode, for want of a better term. Because mm-hmm. he, he held everything together for, you know, what little was there to be had. Mm-hmm. He really... His character really held it together, keeping Bruce, uh, you know, focused and saying, look... I know you're Batman. Just don't, don't, don't uh, insult my intelligence mm-hmm. and saying, you know, just stay the path and do what you've got to do. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and not in so many words. Right. No, it's like Lucius Fox from uh, Batman Begins. Yes, exactly. It's like I know who you are. Don't lie to me. Okay, we have this understanding. Let's move forward. And I, I like the teaching that he gives him at the end, you know, because Kyodai Ken says, you know, he does the Vader thing, join me, you know, we're both ninjas, and Batman's like, no, I want to be a samurai, they're honorable, but Batman does begin to question, is he really a ninja? And he, when he goes to his sensei, he says, but isn't Batman just a ninja? And his sensei's like, no, Batman's honorable, he is a samurai, and I, I kind of like that, that Bruce yeah. needed to have his spirit list, lifted, to be reminded that for all the darkness, for all the brooding, uh, he is a force for good, that he is an honorable man. And, you know, who better to learn it from than the guy who taught him all about honor? I thought that was really good. I thought that was a really yes. excellent moment. Um, God. The, yeah, besides besides the bitch slapping, this the whole fight on the volcano made no sense at all. How did Alfred live? Yeah. He's just stuck over here, tied up, gagged, and sitting next to an erupting volcano, and he lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, none of that lava ever gets close to him at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, just... And then after it's all said and done with, he, they're just, they just stroll down this erupting volcano. <laughs> Bruce and, Bruce and uh, Alfred just like, taking a leisurely <laughs> stroll in the park on a volcano. Yeah, let's not run. Let's just take our time. They even stop at one point. Yeah. When Batman explains how he survived the touch of death, death. he just stops so he can pull up his shirt and pull out the metal plate. It's like, oh my <laughs> god, the volcano, guys! It's erupting behind you. Run. You are going to melt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You know, and did you like? Did you catch up? Or did you want to say more about the volcano? Or no? Okay. Go, by all means, go ahead. You, no, what's the sensei's name? Yoro Sensei. Yoro Sensei. Y-O-R-U. Okay. Yoro. Yoru. Yoro Sensei. Okay. Did you <laughs> notice that, okay, they're looking at the scroll that has the technique on it, and it's been, you know, when they open up the box, the air hit it, and it just disintegrated, right? Sinead, but yeah. they put it back together on the table, and there's the big piece missing. And Sensei points out, he goes, you know, Batman, or Bruce, I should say, is like, oh, look, we're, we're saved. It's garbage now. It's disintegrated. And the Sensei's like, no, look. There's a big piece missing, because obviously that means uh, uh, Ken has that piece. And so this is, this is dangerous, the sensei mentions, because that's the piece that shows, that teaches you how to use the technique, the touch-of-death technique, right? That's mm-hmm. what he says to Bruce, right? Yep. What does he say in the next, the next time we, what does he say the next time we see him? Do you remember? No. Next time we see the sensei, he says, 
oh, I never learned the technique because I was afraid that if I actually read the scroll and had that knowledge, I would use it against someone. So how did he know that the portion that was missing was the portion that taught the technique? I don't know. But yeah. along those lines, the piece that was missing was like the bottom right corner. It wasn't even on the human model yeah. that was on the picture. Yeah, I know. It's like... <laughs> It's like what are you gonna what are you gonna see a circle? Yeah, it's like, like out in the middle of nowhere. Yeah, you could see like like you know we see it all pieced back together, and the touch of death is up on the left breast. It's like on your pack, and but that piece is all the way like off of your by the foot of the model. Yeah. It's like, who, who did the guy who drew, who you know did Kyodai Ken or not Kyodai Ken the sensei's uh, great 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 grandfather when he drew that up did he go oh shit I forgot to add the touch of death part that I never wanted to teach anybody I'll put it down here by the foot and draw this long squiggly line up to the left pack is that what he did I mean what clearly <laughs> clearly that's what he did God it I'm surprised so it took bad. you so long to figure it out <laughs> oh I'll smack my head. <laughs> uh. Um, go ahead, I'm go shaking, ahead. No, I'm shaking my head at this. <laughs> Just this episode, well, not as bad as the previous two, in my opinion. Yeah. It's there's just a lot of nonsense that brings this brings this one down because it could have been a great episode. Yeah. Because the last one, Night of the Ninja, was a really good episode. I thought. I mean, Robin was just on in that episode, and I I I would I would watch that episode any time. Just because I, I loved it so much, but this one, when it's real, it's flat out supposed to be a sequel episode to Night of the Ninja, and it just it's just so damn nonsensical. Nothing, just nothing about it makes any sense. Oh, it hurts my head. Do you want to say any more about that before we move on to the last one, or because there were a couple like small animation glitches I noticed, but I don't know if I necessarily want to bring them up. No, I'm I'm good. And the last episode that we have the pleasure of discussing today is Terror in the Sky, the second, I believe, Mandad episode. Yep, and final one. Is it the final one? Yes, it is. Okay, well, in this episode, uh, we start out by seeing uh, Mambat attacking uh, some dudes on a dock, and he uh, breaks into their crates and he starts eating what looks like oranges or some sort of really mushy fruit. And, uh, you know, flies back to the uh, Langstrom home. And uh, then in the next moment we see Dr. Langstrom, or uh, his his name's Kirk, right? Kirk. Kirk, sorry, sorry. Kirk, he sits up in bed because he's had this really terrible dream. Or is it that he just realized that he was out as man-bat? Dun, dun, dun. And, uh, you know, he wakes up his wife, and his wife's like, Oh, are you having bad dreams, honey? And he's like... Yeah, maybe. I don't know. She's like, well, go back to bed because you're bothering me. And so they both go back to, or she goes back to sleep and he gets up to get some air. And he notices that the rug by their uh, patio is covered in this weird mushy fruit and it's got claw marks in it. So he's thinking to himself, oh shit, I'm man bad again. So he throws the rug out to try to hide the evidence of what's going on. And, uh, or what he thinks is going on, I should say. And, you know, Batman finds out that Man-Bat's back, and he approaches Langstrom, and he's like, now, what the hell? Why are you taking the serum again? I cured you. And Langstrom's like, well, obviously, I'm not taking the serum again, so if I'm turning into the Man-Bat, it's your fault because your serum didn't work. Yeah! He tries to stick it to Batman. So, 
Batman's like, oh, well, you're right, maybe I screwed up, I'm sorry, let me take a DNA sample, so he does that, and we quickly find out that Kirk is not the man bat, it's actually uh, Fran- Francine is the wife, right? Yes. Yeah, it's actually Francine that is now turning into man bat, because what happened was her father uh, was trying to recreate the serum, and he got startled one night by her, and he dropped the the vial containing it, or the test tube that was containing it, and as she was helping him clean it up, and she didn't know what it was, she got pricked by it, and it got into her bloodstream, and then there you go. So, basically, Batman and Kirk have to try to save her and transform her back into her human form before, I don't even know, before it's permanent, before... I don't even fucking know. Before she flies off into the sunset, never to be seen again. Yeah. Remember (laughs) earlier I said that there was the one episode that just bored me completely, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is that one. I have, like, barely any notes on this one. I was sitting here watching it. When I was watching it, I was, like, I started just staring at the wall. I'm not even joking. That's Yeah, that's basically like, like was for me, a tiger tiger. Yeah. So why don't we get your thoughts on this, since I got at least what I have written down is not much. Well, I think it's an average episode. It's not horrible, in my opinion. But uh, it, yeah. Um, I thought the animation was was really good at the very least, with like the morphing into the woman bat, mm. as I'm calling her. <laughs> we see, when uh, Francine woman bat yeah. rips the trank darts out of her skin, yeah. blood spurts out. That was cool. But um, it, I I have no reason to care about her character just because she was such a bitch. Like in the uh, when Batman confronts Langstrom and Francine in the lab. The first time out of the snow, she just she just runs off in a hissy fit. It's like I can't I can't stand you. I can't stand my life. I'm out of here. It was just like wow, that was random. Where where did this come from? Are they having marital difficulties, or is he not getting it up? Or what's what the hell is going on there? Yeah, see, the only way that scene would have worked for me is if this was the third Man Bad episode. Like, there was the first one on Leather Wings, and then there was another where Kirk was turning into Man-Bat again, either because Batman's formula didn't work or because he was taking it, taking it again or whatever he was doing. It just didn't work, and he was Man-Bat again, okay? Now, mm-hmm. in this one, she has no reason to think it's not him and that it is herself. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, I hate you. I'm leaving. Like, why? He's only been Man-Bat once in his life. What is, what's going on here? As you said, yeah. there's something else going on in their relationship, and she's using that as the excuse to run away. I guess. And then, uh. here's the thing that gets me. She's, okay, she's running away, but she never says she's leaving town. But he somehow knows, her husband somehow knows, to call the airport to look for her. He knows which plane to get on, despite the fact that it's never mentioned where she's going. It's like he just intuitively knows where his wife would fly to. And and he gets the seat right next to her. <laughs> no, no, no. He was a couple of rows back. Oh, was he? Yeah, he, uh, he confronts he sat her down next and to sits her. down next to her. Right. But he's like, I think, like three rows back. So ah. somehow she didn't see him board the plane or waiting in line. <laughs> and never mind that he, you know, he couldn't confront her at the airport. He had to do it on the plane. Ugh. It's like it's like uh, the movie Airplane. <laughs> I don't know if you ever saw it. But Years ago. Yeah, where the guy just confronts the woman on the plane. <laughs> Except there they actually pulled it off, and it was pretty funny. 
Uh, what else? Yep. You know, I thought it was pretty funny that uh, Batman never strikes Woman Bat until the, like the third time she, at third and final time she morphs into Woman Bat. And I made a note of this as I was going through the episode. I was like, hmm, let's see, she's a woman, and women never get hit in any DC show unless they're being hit by another woman, at least on screen. They get hit, but we, they, they never, ever show any violence against women via a male. I do think that might change later on during Justice League. Yeah, Justice League, it definitely changes. Right, but this early on, definitely not. And, and the final time she morphs into Woman Bat, he just lays a kick right into her. Torso or face? I can't remember. It was, this might have been the point. It was, I was just, staring at the wall. Yeah, this this must have been when you were just like borderline unconscious. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, he just lays one into her, and I'm like, wow. Mm. Uh, that answered my question. Because <laughs> <laughs> my note here is, does Batman ever strike woman bat? And then in parentheses, I put after that, yep. <laughs> but you know, I guess technically she's not a woman. There, she's this hideous creature. So that's their excuse. What else bothered me about this episode? I, um, this oh yeah, the guy, uh, the uh, Doctor March is that a guy's name? Yeah, the other, the other scientist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, her father. Who throws burning paper into a trash can? How stupid are you? Maybe he was committing suicide. He was going to let the building burn around him. I don't know. This guy's a scientist. <laughs> fire burn paper. Fire bad. Fire bad. That said, oh my though. God. That said. That quiet moment of him standing there in the shadows, looking at the trash can, his head hung, realizing that his life's work is now for naught because his daughter is for naught because his daughter might be forevermore changed into this creature, was very deep and very emotional. Take yep. the logic yep. out of it. <laughs> well, it was, see, that's the thing emotional. that him throwing that paper in the trash can actually ruined that moment for oh. me. It was it was a great moment, but that. That right there is so stupid. Mm-hmm. Such a stupid act. He's a scientist, and he's throwing burning paper into a trash can. Yeah. That it's it's really stupid, and it just ruined the, what could have been a really really heartfelt moment. I see where you're coming from, but that moment for me was the only moment in the show that had emotion or depth. I mean, you look at on leather wings, and that what made that one of the things that made that so great was that it actually had emotion. It had depth. It just went above and beyond anything we'd ever seen before. And now here we have the sequel to it, and it just completely lacked everything the first one had, except for that one brief moment, at least for me, because I know you don't agree there. Well, and well, there was the moment where Langstrom saves her from falling off the bridge. So. Yeah, but he's like, it, he's like, I've got you, and I'm not letting go this time. What yeah, does that's... that mean? He didn't let go, she <laughs> ran away. <laughs> That's more. That's more of this uh, inherent uh, underlying marital problems yeah. thing we've got here. It's like he cheated on his wife at some point or something. something. Uh, and that was the most along those lines. That was the most abrupt ending to any episode I've ever seen to this point. It's like the nightmare's finally over. The end. <laughs> yeah. I, I seriously, I half expected like that's all, folks, just to appear on the screen. That would have been. That would have been a pretty apropos ending for that. It was just, it's like, boom, the episode's over. When uh, Woman Bat, as you're affectionately calling her, gets, uh, she uh, she knocks Batman out. She hits him, and his head smacks into the, the top of the, uh, they're on a bridge, aren't they? Yeah. It hits some concrete 
piece of the you know some piece of the bridge up there. What the hell happens to his head? It just flattens out, exactly. doesn't it? Exactly. <laughs> all depth. It's just like, like it's like they drew his head onto the concrete. <laughs> you know, it's like okay, Batman should technically be dead, so um, we're just gonna flatten his head right here to show that. You know, he turned into Plastic Man. There's Batman's third power for this episode. <laughs> so wait, okay, what were the powers he had in this episode again? So right now he's Plastic Man. He uh, had the power of light of Thor. Right, he had the power or, of Thor, or at least he had Storm's phone Storm. number. And and the uh, oh god, was it in uh, was it Tiger Tiger? I think yeah, it was, it was in Tiger Tiger. No, no, no! It was, it was Joker's wife where he he knew that the wallpaper was there, so he had telepathy yeah. too. Yeah. He had the Martian Manhunter's powers. Oh god, 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 god! But yeah, he just his whole head just completely just flattens out again, like this was supposed to be Looney Tunes. I expected him after he hit that to kind of like float like a leaf all the way down to the bottom of the bridge, or to see like on the other side of the bridge the bricks just kind of jut out, yeah. like. Like Wiley Coyote smacking his face into a cave wall. That, this episode would have ruled if that happened. Seriously, <laughs> absolutely would have owned. And did you notice that three of the five episodes we watched took place at a zoo? Yes, I did. <laughs> because like Tiger Tiger and Moon of the Wolf are basically the same thing. Mm-hmm. In and of themselves, they're the exact same episode back to back. I thought to myself, okay. Back when these first came out, if these things came out the week after one another did, what were kids thinking when they were watching this? Didn't I watch this last week, Mommy? I think they came out two weeks apart. I'm pulling up the episode list. Um, Let me double-check that. But I think they came out at the end of October and the middle of November. Um, Let me see. I'm right there. Where are they? Night of the Ninja, Cats Crash. Okay, so Tiger Tiger came out October 30th, 1992. Moon of the Wolf, November 12th, 1992. Terror in the Sky, November 9th, 1992. If we're going by air date, Terror in the Sky aired before Moon and the Wolf. Mm-hmm. Moon of the Wolf, I should say. So, yeah, so we had some genetic tiger cat thing. And then if we're going by air date, we have a genetically altered human bat, bat thing. thing. And then after that, just a few days later, we have some steroid test... Or, uh, Estrogenated. Estrogenated, yeah. There's my there's my created word for the day. Awesome. Estrogenated. I love it. Um, <laughs> you know, so yeah, within a span of like just a few weeks, they they just like threw all these genetically altered creatures out there for our pleasure. No. Question that, mark. <laughs> I, it's like could they not think of just bringing like scarecrow in there or something so, just for a week? Or something, just to break the monotony? Can you imagine what would happen if they had a Killer Croc episode oh, on either end of that? <laughs> there, you got, there you got a whole month of genetic goodness. Uh, do we want to give our scores? Yeah, I guess that's the next logical step. Okay, let me flip back to my first page of notes here. And, okay, so, this is going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> Deep breaths. Uh, Joker's wild. Uh, three... I concur with a three. Tiger, Tiger. I actually, I actually changed my score here. It was a lot lower at first, but you know we kind of went into it. It wasn't, it wasn't as bad as I originally gave it mm-hmm. no credit for. So I, get, I went up to a four. Okay, I'm gonna give this one a six. Um, like I said, had we reviewed this one at another time, just even like probably a few days ago. 
I would have probably given it a three or a four. But upon this viewing, just something about it just clicked with me. I just finally got it. But I'm also willing to admit that they were trying too hard, and I think that's what is really hurting it. Okay, okay. What uh, what are you giving Moon of the Wolf? 1.5. 1.5. Nice. My new low. <laughs> I'll top you with a one. <laughs> I was going to give this a zero, but... Uh, shit, why am I giving it a one? Is there That's a, a good question. Is it a one? Um. Because I'm starting to wonder why I even gave it a 1.5. I think the one might be for the Romulus's unibrow. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay. You know how later on we're, I said we're going to revisit scores? I think I'm going to revisit this score. Uh, to find out what the hell happened? Yeah, because I don't know if it deserves that one that I just gave it. Um, Dave the Samurai, what do you give this one? Uh, right down the middle of five. I originally wrote a four, but as we were talking about it, I wrote down a three with a question mark. I think I'm going to stick with my four. And to wrap us up, Terror in the Sky. I also gave that one a five. It's a five. I'm going to give that one a three. Gee, I wonder if that was our lowest average ever. Hmm. So, you can talk. My father taught me. Your father was a test tube. Feedback in the form of emails and MP3s can be sent to feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. That's feedback at worldsfinestpodcast.com. And don't forget to visit our forums, which can be found at earth2.net. That's www.earth-number2.net. Now, let me interject here. I know the worldsfinestpodcast.com website isn't up. There's something wrong with it. It's supposed to be auto-forwarding to earth 2 Net. I don't know why it's not doing that. I'll look into that and see if I can get that fixed. But until then, just go to earth2.net, and on the left-hand side of the page, there's a link that says forums. You can click that, enter the forums, go to the World's Finest Podcast section of the forums, and you can respond to anything you heard on the show there, or as we said earlier, you can send us emails. Eventually, I will get a World's Finest Podcast website up. The reason it's not up is I simply haven't come up with a suitable design. But anyways, next time on World's Finest Podcast, we'll discuss five more episodes from Batman the Animated Series, those being Almost Got Em, Birds of a Feather, What is Reality, I Am the Knight, and Off Balance. For James Doe, I'm Michael David Sims saying thank you for listening to World's Finest Podcast. (laughs) 